Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up, BFW's weekly show where we hit on all the latest and greatest news and transfer rumors, and basically just try and get you ready for the weekend's events. And if you remember last weekend, Bayern Munich was shut out by the snow. <laughs> uh, the team was snowed out against Union Berlin, so we did not get the game action, and that led me to think about that snow day effect. I mean, every once in a while, you just need some downtime to really sit back and evaluate where things are, how things are going. And whether you're talking about your life or your favorite football team, I think you need that every once in a while. So Bayern Munich getting snowed out last weekend allowed me to sit back, assess where things are, and really develop some ideas about where this is all going. And of course, we had some events over the course of the week that really it showed that the team is definitely evolving from its current state. And it is looking more and more like the Bayern Munich that a lot of people, especially the younger generation, maybe from the ages of about 18 to 30, the team and club that they knew growing up is probably facing their first significant changes. So that generation of fan is absolutely going to be uh, probably going through some things over the next couple of years, but in looking at this season's team and how things are going, having that snow day off allowed me to look at just a, a few things here. Now, the important thing for Bayern Munich, as always, they decided to go with a little bit of a thin roster this season. And I, for one, was not totally against it, to be honest with you. I like how they had the team set up. I like that it was going to give players good opportunities. It was going to spread playing time out. And it was going to give young players the opportunities to be able to integrate themselves into the team. And we've seen that so far with Franz Kratzig. We've seen it with Alexander Pavlovich. I mean, this is a good setup overall. Now, did it leave some areas too thin? Absolutely. On the back line, you're looking at having used Leon Goretzka as a center back. Uh, just too many injuries were sustained back there, whether you're talking about Matthijs De Ligt. Dio Upamakano, Kim and Jay, Rafael Guerrero, uh, Nusar Mizrahi, they've all spent time out. And that has been uh, even Alfonso Davies. And I think it was more wear and tear with him than anything because of the heavy international schedule. But they've all spent some time down and it did leave the team a little bit too scarce on the back line. But that said, as much as I've been a critic of Tuchel for some things, he's handled that well. And the players have responded and rallied to be able to cover those instances where They've needed help. And Leon Goretzka should be absolutely commended for the job that he's done and, and stepping back there and really doing a good job. I mean, it was a pretty seamless transition. And I think if if Goretzka decided he wanted to go back into the weight room and add another 20 pounds to his frame, he might be able to play center back full time. And I think he'd be pretty good at it, too. So maybe that is a career decision he might have to think about, uh, because I don't know personally how long he's going to last at Bayern Munich as a midfielder. Not because of his performance, I just don't think that Tuchel really likes his profile and wants to move on. Though right now, Tuchel probably does realize he needs Goretzka uh, to, to bolster this team because Leon's been that good this season. Anyway, aside of the thin roster, we've got the team getting healthy now. We see DeLict is back and working on the ball. We see Jamal Musiala set to come back this weekend against Eintracht Frankfurt. Nusar Misrawi has shaken off the an awful illness, and he's back at training you're starting to see the young players get more and more comfortable and also Bayern Munich's integrating more and more of them into team training. So it does look like things are shaping up that this squad 
one way or the other is going to be a little bit deeper heading into the second half of the season. Now, the big thing with the second half of the season is that January transfer window. And there's are so many people anticipating big things. I think some folks are going to be a little bit disappointed. I don't know that Bayern Munich has the huge budget to spend on multiple positions in that January transfer window. I think that uh, there are a couple positions most people want to see. The large majority of the fan base wants to see a defensive midfielder because they think that this is going to bolster the midfield, tie things up, and that it will absolutely help free up Yeshua Kimmich to play more of a forward role, which it seems like he wants to, even though he says he doesn't. I don't know that getting that six is going to happen. I think that there's a good chance that Bayern Munich is going to look at another direction. And by the recent, most recent reports that we're seeing, a center back or a player that can play both center back and right back, or at least have the versatility to play multiple positions along the back line appears to be on the top of the transfer list. And we're not going to speculate as to who that might be because there are literally dozens of players who could fit that profile. And that could be uh, an option for Bayern Munich. But the fact is that if Bayern wants to get the most out of this team, it does have three solid midfielders in Kimmich, Goretzka, and Conrad Limer. And while I don't think Limer has been great this season in a midfield role, those are three solid options. You also have Rafael Guerrero who can play there. You also have Jamal Musiala who can drop back and play the eight or even the six if he needed to. There are plenty of people who can get a slide in there. It's Franz Kratzig, Alexander Pavlovich. Now listen, is this a top tier depth chart are are you looking at at a player who could conceivably step in and be a starter if Kimmich or Goretzka were to go down I think you have Limer there but after that you probably feel a little bit uncomfortable I think having Jamal Musiala on the roster though is the kind of thing that gives coaches like Tuchel the flexibility to be creative and with Musiala even though he steadfastly wants to play the 10 if the team needed it and Tuchel decided to go that route I'm sure he, Musiala would play the eight if he had to, or he could even shift out to wing if he had to. There are options there for Bayern Munich to be able to adjust if they need to when it comes to covering the midfield. So I'm not as worried about the central midfield as a lot of people are. Will Bayern eventually go out and get that number six that a lot of people desire? Maybe. I think that's more of a summertime move. Even the most recent news that we're seeing from Florian Plettenberg says that Jao Polina is really no longer an option for Bayern Munich, at least not in January. So I, I think fans probably need to reset their thinking. If Bayern does go out and they get a central midfielder, it'll probably be more of a depth option, someone that's not going to be a major contributor. Think of how Daly Blind came in and, and became part of the back line last season. I don't think it will be someone who will eat up any type of major minutes or even take minutes away from Kimmich or Goretzka at this point. I do think, however, that versatile defender is the kind of player that Tuchel wants, and it would make him feel a little bit more reassured in things. He wouldn't have to drop Limer back, so Limer could truly be central midfield depth. But it would also give some coverage for Mesrawi, who has had a bit of a checkered injury history at Bayern Munich. Mesrawi is an interesting case because he's had – some on the field issues where he hasn't always been great. Now I think and I'm speaking from my own opinion. I think he's been good this season. He's had a couple of down games, but I think when he has a down game, it's more of a collective thing with the team where when Mesrawi's not functioning great within what Bayern Munich is doing, it's typically one of those games where the entire team breaks down. 
Uh, and Miserali, I think, has handled himself pretty nicely. He he is a good attacking right back. I, I'm not a massive fan of his defensive ability. I don't think he always is the best man on man defender. I think that positionally he he can get caught and basically caught watching and and out of position at times. But it, needless to say, I mean, which outside back? I mean, who doesn't that happen to? So I'm pretty happy with Miserali and how he's played. But I do think Tuchel is not 100% all in on, on Mizrahi. So I think that's why we've seen a steady dose of Limer. I don't think Tuchel likes Stanisic either. And I think that was one of the reasons why Stanisic got loaned out. If Tuchel was a bigger fan of Stanisic, that move probably wouldn't have happened. And maybe this whole depth conversation on the back line wouldn't be going on. But either way, I think Byron set up nicely if they add this one player in the January transfer window, I think it will give Tuchel exactly what he needs. And then this team can move forward. They can focus on their big goal. And then one is winning the Bundesliga, two is winning the Champions League. They have great competition in both. Bayer Leverkusen does not look like it's going to back down, even with the draw last weekend against Borussia Dortmund, which left Bayern Munich the opportunity to make some moves up the, well, make a move up the standings. Leverkusen is no joke. Xavi Alonso has them playing great. I think the one thing that you could look at Leverkusen and say could be an issue is whenever a team like Leverkusen starts to have this kind of success, and it's not like it was a total surprise, but the fact that they're atop the table right now is a little bit of a surprise. It also shows, well, I think what happens is when you have that and you have all of this rampant success and players are getting more and more attention, you start to see those transfer rumors. And like it or not, those can be a distraction, especially with a team with a younger core group like Leverkusen. Some players are starting to get more and more attention. I think we're seeing that with Jeremy Frimpong among them, where you're starting to see big clubs start to eye those players. Florian Verts is another one where it's not just Bayern Munich that has interest in Verts. I mean, you're talking about Liverpool, Man City, even Real Madrid and FC Barcelona have been brought into the mix. That can be distracting, and and that kind of distraction can cause a team to lose a little bit of focus. And, I mean, in the end, I expect Bayern Munich to catch Leverkusen and overtake them pretty quickly. I think it will happen soon. But it doesn't mean that they're not a worthy contender and that they're not going to be a complete pain in Bayern Munich's ass the rest of the season. Uh, Borussia Dortmund is is Dortmund. They're not... (laughs) They're not really, in my mind, a contender at this point. They're a good team, not a great team. They're going to be able to to beat up on some of the lower-rung teams in the Bundesliga, but they're always susceptible for an upset. And I just don't think they have enough punching power in their attack to go after Bayern or Leverkusen this season for the long run. Now, Dortmund always is, is a weird club to discuss because – they go out, they spend money, they try and bring in young players and develop them. But some of the the ta- some of the the chances they've taken, they've missed. And when you look at Mukoko and you look at Adiyami and Daniel Malin, they just haven't worked out the way I think that Borussia Dortmund would want. Sebastian Haller, I mean, obviously he had that really awful health scenario with the cancer and you know, listen, that is a setback for him as well. And that's definitely some some bad luck when it comes to that kind of acquisition. But for the money that, that Borussia Dortmund has invested in some players and, and the scouting that it took to get those players, they just haven't panned out in the way that I think Dortmund would like. So you go out and then you have to get a Nicholas Fulkrug who is productive, but he's not quite that dynamic player that 
you need if you're going to go up and you're going to challenge Bayern Munich. So Dortmund is, in my mind, with Leipzig, good teams, good clubs, good talent, but not quite there yet. Wouldn't shock me if Leipzig was able to to push up into that second place position at some point. Uh, they definitely have the talent and the depth, but it's it's a really a matter of them is can they be consistent? Can they get their team to actually work together enough as the pieces move in and move out and they're interchangeable and and Marco Rosa, you know, with all of the players he has available, can he find a winning combination? And sometimes I doubt that they can because they do have a lot of young talent. They do have a lot of attacking talent. Getting it all in sync, it kind of makes me wonder if they can pull it all together. So, you know, when we have these days where Bayern Munich is snowed out, which <laughs> really never happened, you start to wonder and you start to look and assess things. And when I looked at the roster, you know, I'm pretty comfortable where Bayern Munich is and, and what they're going to do in January, which I think will be a defender. And when it comes to the Bundesliga, I really like where Bayern Munich is at. I think they're heading in the right direction. The one thing I think I need to get over and what a lot of people probably do is that this team is not always going to play beautifully, right? They're going to be some games that are really tough to watch. And we've seen a few of those of late. It's not fun when we see those games and I'll be honest with you, like a lot of us watch sports. I mean, one, you know, you like your team, you like, your, you like the players on the team, you like the club, you, you want that release. So when you have that release and you can drift away from reality for a little bit, all the tough parts of life, you want to be able to see something that you enjoy. And quite frankly, Bayern Munich has not been fun to watch over the past couple of weeks. Uh, and there's several reasons for that. And you could point to injuries. You can point to Tuchel. You can point to the players, there's a lot of blame to be shifted around for that. But I think in the end, this Byron team has a winning mentality. They have certainly have the talent level to be able to compete on the big stage. I like what they're doing. I just need to see a little bit more to think that they're going to be able to compete with Manchester City or Real Madrid. Like I've said before on this, on this program, <laughs> I see three top teams as legitimate contenders for the Champions League. But while I may have had Bayern Munich with City and Real Madrid in the beginning of this season, I think they're a notch below. And I think that, you know, City and Madrid are in a league of their own right now. Uh, Bayern has some work to do. They have to absolutely be better in playing together. And I, and as much as like I, I, you know, listen, last episode of this, I pointed the finger a lot at the players for needing to be better. I think that both the players and the coaching staff need to look at themselves and think about how can they improve? How can they get the team where it needs to be? It is absolutely a mutual effort. And, you know, a lot of people took that as me saying that, you know, Tuchel should be absolved of any blame in this. He should not. Tuchel has had some problems. The roster has had some problems, but they, they need to gel together and figure out how to get the team where it needs to be. So uh, there's a lot of exciting things that could happen. I don't know that we'll always be watching exciting games, but in the end, I think what most fans want is their team to win. And Bayern Munich has proven so far this season that they're pretty damn good at doing that. So I think we'll see Bayern start to evolve as a team. I think adding that defensive piece could help them and certainly will, will be a, a must-need uh, position on the roster once we get the international play that comes in January and Kim Min Jae goes away. Uh, Byron's going to need to make some moves and uh, that one specifically will help out. So I really like where Byron's at at this stage. 
And uh, speaking of where things end up in a couple of weeks, Byron did make the decision to stay home for its winter training camp. So during the winter pause, Bayern Munich will not be headed off to anywhere in the Middle East, any you know fair weather destination. Some German clubs go to Florida. Uh, there are plenty of good options to go where you can get to some warm weather, but Byron's going to stick at home. I actually really like this decision. It's going to be less wear and tear for the players in terms of travel. Sure. The conditions will not be ideal. It'll be cold as hell. <laughs> I'm sure in Germany at that point, but Byron, I think making this a little bit less stressful with the travel and the players will, will definitely pay some dividends, keeping them comfortable and around their families will be a welcome thing. Uh, it's just one of those situations where Byron's taken some heat for some of their decisions on where to train during the winter break over the years. Um, and while they're saying it has nothing to do with that and has nothing to do with finances, I think it's a smart move. Recalibrate at home, get everything together and keep the team in its in its home environment to where they can really focus on having that work-life balance and then get ready for what is going to be a hell of a second half charge because we're going to see some some big time matchups over the course of the second half of the season, both in the Bundesliga and in the Champions League. So Bayern's going to have its work cut out for it. And I really like the decision to stay home. We're going to take a quick break at this point. Now we're going to come back and talk about the biggest news of the week. And uh, it was the biggest news about the little sky. <laughs> Byron signing of Granada attacker, Brian Zaragoza, which has a lot of people really excited and he is a dynamic player. So we'll talk a little bit about him when we get back, stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey everybody. Welcome back to the weekend Warm Up podcast. This is Chuck Smith. Thanks for hanging in there through the first segment Talked a little bit about what it was like to have that off day last weekend when Byron was snowed out and assess where things are, what Byron needs on the roster, and what the Bundesliga outlook is looking like. And then also discuss Byron's big decision to stay home for the winter pause. So obviously this week had some unexpected news. I mean, when we see transfer rumors, a lot of the things that happen with Bayern Munich are a slow burn. They're usually out there for a while. I mean, we're talking years where we'll see something about initial interest. And then it's an up and down roller coaster ride of emotions on how serious Byron is, how serious the player is. You could go back two years to look at what happened with Harry Kane. But now this week, Byron Munich made a shocking signing, one that popped up out of nowhere. And I think the entire fan base was just shocked to see that Byron Munich signed Granada attacker Brian Zaragoza, who is a winger and attacker and is the second player under Christoph Freund that has been signed, where, of course, we had Nestor Irankunda, the Australian player who has uh, decided to sign with Bayern and come over next season. He'll probably be with Bayern Munich, too, because he's younger, probably not quite ready for the rigors of the Bundesliga yet. But Brian Zaragoza, he is uh, a little bit different than what I think many people expected Bayern to be looking for. First, let's get to know him a little bit. Uh, Zaragoza... The first thing most people reference with him is that he's listed as 5-5. We've seen some reports that he could be 5-4. So he's going to give Bayern Munich a different look down the wing. Uh, Leroy Sané, Kingsley Coman, Serge Gnabry, they're not giants by any means, but they are absolutely taller than Zaragoza. So Zaragoza has been mostly known for his dribbling skills, his attacking ability, his footwork, his creativity, 
Those are things that are going to be welcome additions to Bayern Munich's mix. Now, I'm not saying that, that Zaragoza is going to come in here and he's going to start. He's going to be an impact player immediately. No, he's going to be, in my mind, the fourth option at wing, a change of pace type player who at 22 years old and being from Spain has come up a little bit differently than the options that Bayern Munich has on the wing at this point, which are two Germans and a Frenchman. Zaragoza is going to be something different. And that's what I think this Bayern Munich team could use a little bit of someone that disrupts things a little bit, someone who's going to come in and be just be a different type of option, different type of player on the pitch. Now I want to preface this. (laughs) This could absolutely be a great move and something that, that could benefit the club. I mean, Zaragoza has the potential to be a great super sub, like Matisse Tell has been because he's something just a little bit different, brings a little bit different perspective to the position. But it also could blow up because sometimes when you have a player like this who is so different than what you have and who might bring different characteristics to the position, sometimes it just doesn't fit and it doesn't work and that player never gets on the same page. I'm very interested to see how Zaragoza fits in at Bayern Munich, what kind of mentality he has in working with a team like Bayern where he is, I mean, when it comes to the star scale, he's going to be at the bottom of the list. I mean, he's, it's, and it's, that's not a knock on him. I'm just saying star wise. I mean, you're surrounded by one after another on that Bayern Munich loss or something that you're not going to experience at Granada. No knock on them. But Zaragoza, it, it was, to me, my opinion was very shocking. I didn't expect this kind of move at all. Now, I I had an inkling that Bayern Munich was going to go after a wing. We had, of course, seen rumors linking the club to players like Federico Chiesa, who is a more established player, a more proven and, and probably one who uh, most fans would recognize and know and understand his game. With Zaragoza, it's it's definitely a wild card, and I think that's what Bayern Munich wanted. I think they wanted something unpredictable, something that was going to to be able to not allow teams to plan for just one look. And I don't think he'll play a lot next season when he comes over, and how he handles that, and how the team handles it after that, we'll see. I do think though he'll get some opportunities. He'll be able to show what he can do. And uh, listen, if he's successful, this has potential to be a great partnership. But if he comes out, he's not confident. If his style doesn't quite fit, it could be very tough to watch. So this is not by any means like a sure thing kind of transfer. But it was worthwhile, and it's relatively inexpensive. I believe the final bill came to somewhere around fourteen to fifteen million on that buyout. So it wasn't necessarily cheap, but it wasn't anywhere in the stratosphere of what you would have to pay probably for a player like Chiesa or even what Byron played paid for Kane uh, last summer. You're talking about uh, an investment that is has a substantial amount of risk to it, but one that Bayern Munich felt like it was financially comfortable with taking. So Zaragoza, I want to hear your thoughts on Zaragoza because I'm really... I, I like the signing. I like that they are they're thinking outside the box at this point and they're trying to do some things differently and to to give not just the coaching staff different options, but to give the players on the field uh, something new to work with. And certainly his style of play is going to be something different. It's it's not to say that listen, Coman is a fantastic dribbler. Sane can be a great dribbler. 
Gnabry, not so much, but he brings something a little bit different to the wing position. Uh, these are all players that 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 have great skill levels and great talent. Zaragoza, I think, just a little bit different from them and, and should be able to help. Now, what this means long-term for those other players, I don't think it has much to do. I mean, in, in recent history, Bayern Munich has been a four-winger team. And that fourth winger has pretty historically been someone who's an afterthought. But sometimes, like back in that 2019-2020 season, that fourth winger or in some cases ends up being a third, second or third option. Like Ivan Perisic came in and not many people expected much from him when he came in on loan. However, think about all the key moments he had in that sextuple run or in the the treble run the end of that season there. Uh, He was a vital player. He had some outstanding moments and he proved to be the perfect piece for what was needed for that team. Can Zaragoza be that kind of player? One that, Many people are not expecting to start, but one who can play a role and maybe potentially grow into that role and become the kind of impact player that Perisic was during that season. Uh, I would love to see that. I'd love to see Zaragoza be successful. I don't know if it will happen. I think there are going to be some growing pains. I think that this is going to be a, a fun move for fans to watch. I think fans are going to love seeing his style. Of course, I, I think the Bundesliga is a little bit more physical than La Liga, so we'll see how he adapts to that as well. But this is this is a good move. It's a good idea for the club to look this way. And it's listen, he's a fourth winger right now. So again, low risk financially. It didn't kill them. So I think it's a good move. And Bayern Munich, hey, listen, they're out trying to get better. They're trying to to give their coaching staff different options, different looks, and different positions. So I'm happy to see uh, Zaragoza join the squad next season. And I'm very interested to see what it looks like. So, yeah, that was uh, the big, exciting news of the week for sure. And the, the final thing I did want to touch on, and this was something that we've we've ta- we've talked about a little bit in the past here, but it struck me this week because we saw some really just crazy stories about Barca potentially tanking Lewandowski's season so they could trigger a release clause on him just to, or an exit clause to get him off the, the team. Lewandowski, I think... <laughs> Robert Lewandowski has has had just an odd career. He is a, a guy who just erupted from nowhere. I mean, this was not someone destined for stardom. He got to Borussia Dortmund through really grit and desire. And, and yes, talent that was really unpolished and really untouched. Made a name for himself there. Then really exploded. I mean, listen, I, I if you followed him at Borussia Dortmund, you knew how talented he was. I mean, you saw once he started to emerge there, you could just see that this this was a guy who had flown under the radar somehow. And it gives all of you footballers out there who are hoping that, uh, you know, you just need a chance. Like Robert Lewandowski should be your idol with that because he just needed someone to see him. And, and when he got that opportunity, he seized the moment. And at Borussia Dortmund, I mean – I, I don't I hate using a term like this, but real fans of the Bundesliga, you saw what he could be. And, and, you know, even though you might hate Dortmund or whatever, or however you feel about them, you saw that this guy was different. And when he joined Bayern Munich, we just saw him explode. And I don't think he's quite ever gotten that global brand that he's wanted, but man, he was so damn good with Bayern Munich. He was just a terrific player, proved that he could score any which way. And when he made that decision to go to FC Barcelona, it was, in my mind, it was a product of a couple of different things. One, he was very frustrated with Bayern Munich at the time. 
Julian Nagelsmann's tactics and strategies of really placing more emphasis on the attacking midfielders and the wingers to, to put more of the scoring burden on them and not feed the striker as much, I thought was very frustrating. Now, I also will say that while Nagelsmann might have been driving that train, the Bayern Munich players didn't exactly do much to 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 do the right thing. I mean, yes, they were probably following what the coach wanted, but uh, there, there were plenty of times where Lewandowski was the smarter pass, the smarter option. And players like Sané and Coman and Gnabry at the time, they just fired away. <laughs> and obviously Bayern Munich was not as good uh, when relying on those players as opposed to a true number nine like Lewandowski or like we're seeing with this season, Harry Kane. So Lewandowski was really frustrated. We had seen the same kind of frustrations even back in 2018 when he was closely linked to Real Madrid. So when he left, uh, I don't think there was much love lost. A lot of fans dismissed it as, you know, Lewandowski leaving to, to chase something. And a lot of people thought Byron could recover quickly and move on from him. That obviously was proven to be false because it was an outright disaster trying to replace him with Sadio Mane and a strikerless system. And it was, that was all a crack. I don't even want to say a pipe dream. It was all a crack pipe. Uh, people, people had no idea at that stage that the impact that was going to happen when Lewandowski left would be as bad as it was. I, I was always terrified of the thought of not having a true number nine there. And Mane proved that he just wasn't up to the task of even trying to integrate with the team. It was an out and out disaster. Luckily this season, Byron went out and got Harry Kane and that will write the ship that has righted the ship for sure. But Lewandowski, he moved on to Barcelona, had a very good first season, but now has hit a little bit of a rut. And I think what's happening is chances are physically, he's probably a little bit slower than he was because of father time i mean can't nobody defeats father time so robert Lewandowski, i'm sure he's being hit with that a little bit but also there's some acclimation issues in terms of this new wave of thinking at barca the new players that they've brought in he just doesn't fit there anymore and i think that the rumors we've seen about barca not wanting him i i think those are true i know i don't think they're going to purposely bench him so they can trigger an exit clause i, I think that there will be some kind of deal worked out where Lewandowski's going to leave the club after this season. Uh, I don't think it'll happen as soon as January, and I don't know where he goes from here. Listen, Saudi Arabia would throw him a, a, a just truckloads of money to get him there. MLS can't do that, but you know, playing in the United States is something that Lewandowski has openly talked about in the past, and he thinks it would help his brand. The one thing I've always cautioned Lewandowski about, not that he needs my advice, is that he really doesn't have a brand. He's not Cristiano Ronaldo. He's not Lionel Messi. As much as I think Lewandowski is great, and I will say this, like I, I'm not like a fanboy in terms of like, oh, this is my favorite player, blah, blah, blah. I have thoroughly enjoyed watching his career. I love the story that he has and and how he came through and really rose from the ashes in his career. I think it's one of the more fantastic stories that you could really ever hear in football. But, you know, his 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 personality has not always been likable. His decision making on and off the field has has not always been the best. He's been demonstrative toward teammates when he doesn't get the ball. He had uh, an issue this year with one younger FC Barcelona teammate where he didn't shake his hand after a goal. Lewandowski is a very tough nut to crack. 
because I think he overstates and overthinks his value in the greater footballing world. I don't think anybody views him quite the way like some Bayern Munich fans do. Uh, I think if, if Lewandowski went to MLS, I think he would hate the accommodations. I think he would hate the stadiums. I think he would hate the travel. I mean, I know Messi is doing it, but that inner Miami situation is a little bit different. A lot of, of the MLS teams. I mean, you're talking about flying commercial. You're talking about not having the best travel accommodations. You're talking about not having the best practice facilities and training facilities. That's just the reality of a, of a growing league that needs more money to be invested into it. Uh, I could go on for five hours as to what would fix American soccer, but nobody wants to hear that. Um, but Lewandowski moving to MLS is, is a possibility in his mind because he thinks it would be good for his brand. I think what he would find when he was here is it wouldn't be like when Messi came over or even when Zlatan came over. Uh, people know Lewandowski, but they don't really know Lewandowski, if you know what I mean. So I don't think his talent would be necessarily appreciated in MLS. I know going to Saudi Arabia is not ideal for many, many players. I think if I was in the situation Lewandowski's in, I'd probably try and go back to Germany, to be honest. And, and you know, obviously not to Bayern Munich, but uh, if I'm him, what's wrong with going back to Borussia Dortmund? What's wrong with finding another club in Germany that could use a star player, someone productive? He doesn't want to hear that even at his age. I believe he's 35 now. But I, listen, if the guy wants to continue to play and he wants to play at a high level, and I certainly think he's got some good years left, I think he's got to look at those options. Uh, I don't know, given you know how young his family is, that he wants to make that Saudi Arabia move. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if that's something that's appealing to him, even though the money surely would be, but I just don't see him as the kind of player that would come to America and be absolutely thrilled with having to play in Chester PA on a rainy Thursday night in April or whatever, you know, can you do it on a cold Tuesday in Stoke or whatever the saying is. Um, but that's what he would be facing. And, and, and even like, listen, I would love to get in Lionel Messi's head and, and, Love to know what he thought about some of the situations he saw and the, the facilities he saw and that kind of thing. And that's, again, it's not a knock on MLS because I, I believe the league has made a lot of great improvements. They've made a lot of good investments. I hate their deal with Apple TV, to be honest with you, because I just refuse to pay for one extra streaming service. That's a me thing, not a them thing, but didn't like that. Uh, and again, when you're trying to grow a league, I think making it accessible to more people is key. And I thought that they kind of limited the the, the viewing pool, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm definitely more likely to scroll to a game and I'm one of the dinosaurs that still has cable. Uh, I would be more likely to scroll and find a game and watch it. And it could not even just union where I live, but any team I would be able to, to do that. Now I don't even have that option. So I, I watched less MLS this season than, than ever. And, uh, you know, listen, it, I, I'm, I feel more out of touch with that league than ever. So uh, while that league is growing, it, it needs to have the right kind of stars come over. And I just don't think Lewandowski is that right kind of star for that league. Um, one, because of all those aforementioned reasons. But two, can you imagine how many times he'll be missed in the box and the reactions that he'll have? I mean, listen, Lewandowski's a trained kickboxer, but I could imagine in the U.S., given some of the conglomerations of different people in those locker rooms, uh, 
there would probably be some fisticuffs because Lewandowski just is is not a uh, he's not a guy that's ever going to play nice about those kind of things. He's just at this stage of his career, he's grumpy old man style. He gets, you know, rolling his eyes, throwing his head back, putting his arms up whenever he's missed. So that would happen more often than not in MLS. Either way, I hope this is not the downfall of Robert Lewandowski, but surely his career is starting to wind down how he starts to view things and what he thinks he can offer the game at this point. I don't know, but he's going to have some decisions to make and it'll be very interesting to see. I do think his time at FC Barcelona is winding down and I do expect him barring some sort of miraculous recovery, which listen, we've seen Lewandowski before he can go on a tear. And if he goes on a tear and wins back over FC Barcelona's brass, I wouldn't be shocked, but if he doesn't do that, then I think the club moves on and, and Lewandowski is going to have some serious decisions to make secretly, secretly. I'd be rooting for him to go back to Borussia Dortmund as much as many of you are probably puking right now, thinking about that. Uh, I would like to see it because it would, I think it would take his career full circle and bring him back to Germany where he had his, his greatest success. Uh, that's about all we're going to have for this week's episode of the weekend warm up. Appreciate you guys hanging in. Drop me your thoughts on Brian Zaragoza and what you think about the signing. Like I said, with him, he's a fourth winger. He'll provide something different. I don't see it as anything more than that at this point. Certainly could evolve into a bigger player for the club at some point. But next season, I think it'll be a slow burn and we'll see him start to contribute, but not get a whole hell of a lot of time. Uh, you can always get me at the Barrel Blog on Twitter. You can get the site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get our Tweetmeister, Tom Adams, at TommyAdams71. You can get I Need No Name at BFWIN. And then you can get Siler at CYL3R. And you can get all of our great and wonderful and talented podcasters and writers at BavarianFootballWorks.com. We appreciate you guys checking things out. Remember to check our preview show for the Bayern Munich versus Eintracht Frankfurt match and all of our great coverage that we'll have pre-game, post-game, on the match, and definitely our live blog during the game. So we've got so many options for you to check out. Why ever leave BFW? We, we have something for you every day. So thanks a lot for listening. Enjoy the match this weekend. Have a couple of beers on me, and we'll see you next time.